Hey Art Supply Posse, it's Kim. Today's artist was recommended to me by Alan T, our sometimes guest host at The Posse. So thank you, Alan, for introducing her work to me. Our guest today is Ida Henrik, and without further ado, I'm going to ask her to say hello back and uh, let's get this thing started. Hello, Ida. Thank you so much for joining us and welcome to The Posse. Hello. It's wonderful to meet you. Um... It's a wonderful day in Scotland today, and I'm really excited to be here. Oh, fantastic. So it must be, for me, it's autumn. So does that mean it's spring for you at the moment? It is, finally. The winter's <laughs> always very long over here, so I'm just so thankful for the sun. <laughs> um, yeah, particularly as um, I'm painting a lot of murals at the moment, and sort of the more sun I can get, the better. It sort of seems to be never-ending yeah. showers right now. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. So, um, We'd be a lot more comfortable to work outside, I'd imagine. Absolutely. <laughs> so let's get started with maybe it could be the most important question I ask you, which is who is Ida Henrik? Hi, so I'm an illustrator, mural artist and designer based in Glasgow in Scotland. Mm-hmm. I uh, create very colourful artwork. I usually like to have sort of as a sort of joyous image that explores themes of nature, but also sort of social economic issues, uh, climate justice, because I believe that art is a wonderful way to create change through sort of the way it starts conversations mm-hmm. with people. So it's 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 a really nice way to make difficult topics very accessible. Yeah, definitely agree. Yeah. So I'm curious to know. What is your first artistic memory? Now, this can be something that it can be like art that you made that has for whatever reason stayed in your mind or maybe you experienced a museum when you were younger or perhaps you saw somebody make art and that stayed with you. Like can you remember what your first significant artistic memory is? Yeah, it's actually it's, it's something really small. And it, it actually remember this realization really clearly. I was in school. I think I must have been around seven or eight. And um, I was drawing a circle. And I realized that if I added a little, two little lines, that it looked like an apple. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it was sort of the realization that things don't have to look I don't have to be this sort of amazing artist to make things look like an apple, that there were sort of visual aids that help people see things as Mm -hmm. another thing. Uh, So at that point, then I started drawing a lot of apples. Um, (laughs) I remember just being like, oh, my God, I can simplify this and do this in a way where I'm good at it too and I can do this and the other kids can't. yeah, it was a really, really funny realization, I guess. But yeah, that stuck with me. Yeah, no, it's it's a it's a good realization. So, why do you think you were called to art? Why do you think art is your well? I mean, it's your profession. So, what what is it about art, you know, that works for you that perhaps other things don't? Oh, okay. So, uh, I guess I had I had. In school, going back to that time, mm-hmm. I had two best friends who were both very clever and very fun. And 
Um, I used to love playing with them, but I was very slow at learning how to read and write. I, I'm dyslexic. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was just not very interested in books and I just wanted to go outside with them and play. Um, and often they didn't really want to. And <laughs> I also really struggled with the fact that I wasn't really good at school the way that other people yeah. maybe were, yeah. at least at least until that, a certain age. So I did a lot of drawing and I was good at it and I was better at it than everyone else, <laughs> which sounds really silly because it's just, I guess it's just the way that kids' brains work. So yeah. I just... I just did a lot of it, and I also just really, enjoy, really enjoyed sort of comic books, humor books. I enjoyed reading them. The text there wasn't that much text in it, so I could kind of grasp it a lot better. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, I kind of always really wanted to do it. There was a woman that visited school one time who was an illustrator. She was a, a training teacher, and she brought her original sketches she had written a book on a fairy at a sort of fairy pool somewhere and I remember looking at her sketches and being like oh you you made this it's it's you know I, th- I somehow thought that professional illustrations were done by corporations not by yep. people yep you know it's, a, it's, uh, a, it's more common a thought than you would think yeah yeah because you don't yeah. you're a child there's so much to take in that's one thing you don't necessarily, you yeah, know, it, it makes sense, completely makes sense. <laughs> yes, I was like, oh, you actually did this? Yeah. And, uh, yeah, after after that, I always spent a lot of time in the art room. Uh, and then I did A-levels in, in the UK, you do mm-hmm. A-levels, which means basically you do, instead, once you get to high school, instead of doing English, maths, biology, chemistry, and all the other things, you kind of get to sort of specialise in three to four uh, topics that you want so I did uh, art and design yep. uh, design art and design fine art and business studies so I guess I was I've been always been planning to <laughs> go down this route yeah and I went to art school yep. um so yeah no, I've, I've been gunning for the career <laughs> <laughs> well it sounds it sounds like it so was it a case of like did you finish art school and then that's it straight straight into making art like because to 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 do to do art and, and you know it's not like a nine to five job right where you're going somewhere and somewhere is paying you you're the person in charge. So what was that sort of process like from stepping out of art school to becoming a working artist? Like, did the school help you with that? Like, did you learn about what to do? Or, no, she's shaking her head. So clearly not. <laughs> I think um, right, I think art school is. A place where you learn and explore your creative craft. It's not necessarily a place where you learn about the business side of things. Mm-hmm. Some art schools do some of it, and some of them do it better than others. Yeah. Um, I recently compared it to you. Basically, it's like they, they train you how to be a really good baker, right? Yep. And you make these beautiful buns in the institution of art school, and people in the art school really like your buns. And then you leave, and the question arises, do you do the people outside, do the customers outside of art school want the same buns as inside the art school? Because you've been living, working inside an institution the entire time. And then you you leave and people want different things. And you need to, you're not you're not worse for it, but you need to learn new recipes. You need to learn your own recipes and try them out to see what works for yourself. Mm-hmm. So I think it's 
it's just a different thing. And it takes, it takes time to redirect, to kind of find yourself outside of the context of being in school, because you basically effectively, unless you're somebody who starts university later in life, um, You've been in an institution your entire life. You've never really necessarily had to work with clients. No. So it's 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 very different, and that can be quite a hard realization. And for me, I was very frustrated for a while. I was very frustrated. I was like, "Why does nobody want my work? I'm a genius." No, that's not really. But you know, I worked really hard. I did, I'm yeah. doing really well. I, yeah. I think everything through. Why is why why am I not earning money with this? Um which I think technically was not helpful to me. I, you know, being <laughs> being this frustrated was quite sucked a lot of energy out of me, which, you know, I could have used for other things. So I first got a job. I worked for a jewelry company and actually I learned a lot about like how to do sales, which mm -hmm. was really good. Um, yeah. So sort of that selling is not about convincing people, but about talking to people and letting them convince themselves that's what they want. Yep. Um, so that was that was that was a really good lesson. Then I worked as an art editor for a mental health project in magazine. Ah. So, which which was nice. One of the best thing was things was that you have a team of people who are all very good at what they do. So, for example, social media is something that I do, and you have to you know train yourself. But it's something I find quite difficult. But there was mm. somebody who did it, and they loved it, and they were really good at it, and. Um, it was really good to see and to learn from people yeah. who are really good at their sort of at their bits. An yeah. editor who's really good at editing. It's really good to be around to explore to see how that looks. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then and then I decided to sort of start doing my own business more again, mm -hmm. and sort of instantly got some really nice jobs. That was really exciting. And then Corona hit, and suddenly mm -hmm. there was radio silence all around. Yeah. Um, it was tough. I think some some illustrators didn't do too bad during lockdown, but for me it was it was difficult. Um, fingers crossed it doesn't happen again. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so how how I'm interested in because making murals is something that not everyone is capable of doing or even wants to do. So why, like, because we you know it's it's huge, right? Murals are not exactly small. So what was it a challenge you decided to set yourself like how did you fall into mural making because it's a there's a whole other kettle of fish right like you know you're not just picking up a piece of paper out of a drawer and just sitting down for half an hour <laughs> yeah <laughs> um i i've i've always really enjoyed the actual craft side of art so mm -hmm. having iPad I designed my artworks on on the iPad um it's nice but it's I didn't I've, I've not found it particularly fulfilling yeah uh, it's just sitting in my in my in my house and drawing is is is, is, is nice but it starts feeling very repetitive yeah so I got a commission to do a mural so it was wonderful they trusted me to do it because I I mean I've, I've painted big before like I've done larger artworks but yeah. you know it, it, not in a professional capacity mm -hmm. um at the time and it was outside uh, an iconic Glasgow restaurant called the Regano um it's it's one of the oldest restaurants in Glasgow oh. um and they wanted an artwork 
uh, during lockdown that would kind of, you know, keep the sort of momentum alive because obviously the restaurants were shut and they wanted that kind of energy. So I created this sort of table scene, which again, it was a huge amount of detail. And yeah. afterwards, I was like, what have I done? <laughs> um, <laughs> I always do that. Um, and I really loved how much people are happy for me to brighten up their spaces. Yeah. It's, it's a really nice feeling. And um, it kind of, it's, it's just so different. It's, it's a lot of work. It slows down the creative process. You kind of design something that you're happy with and you spend a lot of time with it, which isn't necessarily the case with illustration usually. You kind of, you create something, you send it off and maybe you receive a magazine a few months later or maybe you won't. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's that. That's it. And with a mural, you do something and you get to, to a point where you're happy with it. And then in the case of my last mural, you spend six weeks with it, slowly making it happen. And it slows you down. It's also quite stressful because sometimes you can't get the right color and blah, blah, but it slows you down and it makes you really appreciate your design. And you're like, mm-hmm. oh, I did that. I did this. Oh yeah, yeah. That was that was a good idea. When you're painting it on, you're like, oh yeah, actually, I, th- I thought that through, didn't I? Um, <laughs> which you know, often you, I don't do because I, I break everything I do down quite a lot. I'm like, oh, I should change this and I should change that. And mm. murals mean I get to spend time with the things, with things that I've done that I like, and it gets to brighten up people's sort of local areas. It's just it's a very nice thing to do. Yeah. And I guess in. In some ways, like it's um, murals are an art form that is accessible to so many because whether they're driving past it, whether they're walking, like they don't even have to be going to, you know, the restaurant, for example, but they can still see it and they can still appreciate it and still enjoy it. And I think that's a really spectacular thing. You know, it's it's kind of like art for everybody in some ways. That's what it feels like a lot of the time, Um the one I've just done is in a lane and it's a lane that currently has a lot of footfall because the main street next to it is closed. So people have to cross through the lane to get to the other side of mm-hmm. the building. Yep. And um, it's used by the cleaners from the, from the buildings. Um, but they've, they said that they've noticed there's a lot more people walking through. There's people who visited me every day. They kind of felt involved I mean, obviously, it was for them as well, so I designed it to be yeah. for the people. Yeah. But, you know, people would walk by. I also had kids helping me paint one one day because it was a community mural, so which was really cute. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, 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 it's a way for people to feel really involved because it takes six weeks, you know? Yeah. Like, they, they, they saw me around for six weeks. Yeah, it's a long time. So, uh, they, they can see how much sort of love goes into it, and I think that makes people appreciate appreciate it even more yeah it would give them i'd imagine it would give them a sense of ownership like even even just the people who were walking past you this every day if they were going to or from work or something in some ways it kind of feels probably like it's their art because they saw you make it and you know they saw the blood sweat and tears that went into it and all that sort of thing and maybe they stopped to say hello or something like that so they kind of would feel that real connection that they may not have had otherwise with some other kind of art uh, yeah, absolutely. And there's, there's so much talking. Sometimes I have to 
have to just sort of stand. I think sometimes I've even put headphones on just like, because I love talking to people. I really love it. But when it's a busy day and you talk to everyone, you don't get any work done. <laughs> no. uh, and it's like, it's a polite way to be like, I actually need to be working right now. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but, um, yeah, no, it's, 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 it's really nice. And I think it also, particularly, I think during COVID, there's a lot of loneliness Yeah, and it's outside and people could chat to me and they can, tell me about the experiences with an area or place, which mm -hmm. is really lovely because I think um, it kind of became a way to st for people to communicate what they care about. Yeah. Um, and for me to sort of, you know, in some ways try and incorporate certain things. Um, you know, there's like a woman who was saying that her, her cat uh, has pink ears instead of black ones that I had in the design store. Then I changed the ears to be pink <laughs> rather than black. Oh, that's cute. I like that. <laughs> She'll have that forever. Uh -huh, absolutely. Also, white cats usually have pink ears, but yeah. yeah but whatever. So, yeah. of course, you're also an illustrator. So how, like, how do you juggle being an illustrator and a mural artist? Because they are such vastly different things. Like, so are you, like, for example, if you're working on a mural, is that the only work you do for that six weeks of time or however long it takes And then do you go back to illustration or are you sort of doing illustration as well? Like what's what's your sort of process like? I kind of try to juggle everything, which means sometimes I'm working a lot. Um, it, <laughs> it, 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 it all kind of depends. Um, I think I'm, I'm kind of currently in the process of trying to learn better boundaries mm -hmm. for my work, which doesn't always work that well. I think there's this this thing with illustration and murals is that they always come in busloads and then you get sort of downtime. Um, yeah. So, you know, I had a client that I was supposed to be finishing a project, an illustration project with in, in November last year. And mm -hmm. then it got only really got back to me the moment I started working on the mural just there, which is just, I've learned that's just the way it goes with illustration. Yeah. It's just, you know, you're just always waiting for people. They take three months. There we are. The first they wanted yesterday, and now it's four months later, yeah. and the boss is on holiday, so you won't hear for another two weeks. Um, <laughs> it's um, that's sort of often how how it how it goes. So sometimes it helps. Sometimes things are delayed on their end, and then I kind of I manage to juggle it in. But mm. sometimes I just do things during the weekend just to catch up when I'm doing murals. Mm -hmm. It just it's a way to kind of weekends are like my buffer, but in the future I think I need to have a, a buffer during the week just so I can yeah. get everything done. There's this thing where you I mean as long as the the pay is right and the product is right where you shouldn't really say no, um, but yeah, it's yeah it's, it's it's difficult. It's difficult because also also often. It's it's them that change the timeline. Yes, yeah, not you. You know, it's not actually me. Like I always mm. feel, I feel responsible for getting the timelines done when I originally agreed, but then they're the ones actually changing it, and I, I think I need to learn to not feel bad about not sticking to my timeline if they're not sticking to theirs. Yeah. So in my emails, I usually say, uh, "Or oh, provided good communication, it'll be finished then." Just to kind <laughs> of warn myself for being yeah. like, "Well, you yep. didn't actually get back to me." Yeah, good idea. Um, <laughs> um but yeah no it's at, at the moment it's kind of it's kind of ju juggling 
um, juggling it all. But yeah, I need to figure out how I'm, <laughs> I'm going to sort that out. But yeah, it's, it's difficult because I need to also learn to sort of trust the clients. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when you're employed, you kind of trust that your employer will pay you whatever. Yep. Yep. And with clients, you kind of have to trust that they'll come in in the way that you need them to come in. And I yeah. guess it just sort of takes time to sort of feel that before you mm-hmm. be happy to say no. Um, so it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's for me, I guess, like I'm waiting to trust clients, also waiting to trust if the COVID thing happens again. Yes. Also, we have a big cost of living crisis coming in, in the UK. Yeah, there's a um, lot going on. <laughs> So yeah, it's 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 a it's a it's a very strange time to be making, you know. To I'm kind of just sort of holding on to all securities that I can at the moment to just yeah. try and make everything done. Yeah. Um. Yeah, that's so. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. So what sort of because obviously our listeners don't know they haven't done any research like I've done research. So what sort of let's tell them about your illustrative work. What sort of illustrations are you doing? Are we talking about illustrations for magazines? Are we talking about for books, websites? Like what sort of what encompasses your illustration work? So I've I've done a few different ones. So um, there's there's sort of editorial illustrations for for magazines. Mm-hmm. Um, which often have sort of a faster turnaround. Um, I've, uh, you know, sort of, you kind of, I often get sort of articles and then I sort of create some sketches, send them to the client. We discuss what will work best for the situation. And then I create a final outcome, send it off. And then that's, that's that, Um, which is a lovely fast way of working. I also do illustrations with a researcher. I'm an associate for a research company in Glasgow, um, a creative associate, so it doesn't sound as fancy. Um, <laughs> but what, what that means is that I create the visuals. So I, what that means is often they create very text-heavy documents that mm-hmm. are fairly complex and, um, and obviously accessible if you read them, but, you know, not very dense does that yeah. make sense so i kind it of does, come yeah. in i read through it i discuss it with them and then i create illustrations that sort of visualize the themes that they're talking about things that and, and but it's, it's a little bit more like a chess game in that case because it kind of the messages needs to need to be right um does that make sense it's, it's more tactical yeah. illustrations so it's like trying to get the messages right um and and trying to make this this text more accessible because quite often it's things that will create a positive change. So, mm-hmm. for example, I worked on a project that was about childcare in England and it was a scenario analysis. So it was sort of looking at if at different futures to see how these futures will impact children in, in childcare in England. Yeah. So, it's, yeah, it's a really interesting way of sort of using illustration for accessibility. Yeah. Yes. Well, I think um, illustration in like when you've got text-heavy documents, illustrations. This is just my personal thoughts. I don't know any of the actual proper psychology behind it or any of that sort of stuff. But for me, if you're reading a text-heavy document that does have illustrations in it, they kind of give your eyes a chance to stop, kind of rest in a way, like from the intense reading that you've done, which 
is obviously a good thing. But also what it does is it kind of like looking at the illustration, if it's done well, which most of the time they are, but again, occasionally you come across illustrations where you're like, sorry, what? Like where was they? These two were not on the same page clearly. But if they're done well, they allow you to take that information you've just read and kind of solidify it because you, you that image, that the drawing, the illustration describes in a different way what all the words were that you've just read like sort of I don't know that's how I feel about them anyway like if I can in some ways they kind of it makes the whole process of learning whatever you're learning from that document that that text you're reading gel even easier or better into the brain because the illustration has shown you it's you know if, if particularly if it is a you know something I don't know I'm just thinking I'm thinking of sort of when you're reading about health kind of stuff you know you might be reading this vast text about whatever and then you see a, a, an illustration of that thing and you're like that makes sense like it's kind of yeah. like an endpoint to just make it all click in your brain better I don't know that's how I find find it when I when there's that's the sort of thing I'm reading it I just find that that's how it works for me anyway <laughs> Yeah, no, I've read, I, I've recently started reading, well, I'm trying to read this book on psychology and design. And what I thought was really interesting is they said that, um, images communicate much, much faster than blocks of text can. Yes. So you can understand yeah. a, an image much faster than you can a paragraph of text. Yep. So, you know, what, what I really get from that is it also means if you, if you, if you like me and, you know, you dyslexic, perhaps reading isn't your strong point. Mm-hmm. If you have a visual that contextualizes the text you're about to read, yeah. it makes everything else a little bit easier. Yeah, yes. Um, so it, I kind of, it for me, images always help me to kind of, you know, understand what I'm looking at. Um, yeah. You know, I, I don't struggle reading. I, it's kind of gotten better and better, I guess, over the years. Um, but I can, I can just feel that I feel more comfortable understanding yeah. what I'm looking at if there's mm-hmm. an image. Yeah, um, yeah. No, that's it's um, that's a fascinating, fascinating world to be part of. I think it's that's really kind of cool. <laughs> yeah, a lot of plates to spin. <laughs> <laughs> so, we you mentioned was I think right at the start that you, you a lot of your work has a lot of color, a lot of bold color, and I'm like, what is it about color that you like so much? Is it you know, is it a, have you just always expressed yourself with a lot of colour? Because I know sometimes artists go through a thing where they maybe only work in black and white or they sort of more, you know, they might only use a limited colour palette, for example. But, you know, your work is so bold and joyous and bright and full of so many beautiful colours. Is that just uh, why, why are you working with colour like that? Um, well... I have, I have, I have, I have like a friendship relationship. I think with different color palettes of mine. Mm-hmm. So it feels like um, with some color palettes, they're like we're an old couple that has danced together for years, and we know how to make things work together. Uh-huh. And um, no, I, I, there's a color palette that's my go-to color palette that you know sometimes I change slightly, but it's for me. There's a, it's a, it's, it's, it's a little bit like a dance. There's colors that sort of jump out at you. There's colors that recede. I mean, a lot of my colors definitely jump forward because they're very bright. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's 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 like a, a a dancing relationship with 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 my palettes. There's sort of there's a, there's a feeling I get when it's right that there's this sort of 
comfort, um, this sort of, I guess, joy is the right word. When when things are all right and it doesn't nothing is jarring, even though everything is very colourful. Yeah. Um, that that you know, I don't always have control of my colour palettes, obviously. So like when you work with a brand, yeah, sometimes you have to use their colours, which can be interesting because I don't know sometimes graphic design colours don't actually translate that well for the way that space works in illustration because mm-hmm. you know there's colours that recede and colours that pop out and we often use those to kind of navigate the eye and if they're all sort of jump forward kind of colours then you kind of don't have any any sort of pull pullback it just yeah. all becomes very too much space yeah um, in which case sometimes I design things I sketch things and then I design them in my iPad and I start sometimes design it in black and white um, just because that way I can kind of see what bits I want to jump forward without sort of being, being, uh, you know, lured by certain colors because yep. that, that could happen where I'm like, Oh, that color is great. I want all of it to be that color. <laughs> <laughs> so it kind of helps just calm down my, my, my love for certain colors. Like, Oh, I love, I love a bright red. I love it. Oh, yellow as well. Yeah. Sometimes I can't help myself with yellow. It's just like, oh, you know what? A bit, of, a bit of everything yellow would do really well here. And it's not always the best call. So, not always. Uh, no. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, it's worth trying designing things a little bit with black and white. Uh, helps sort of me actually picking the best colors rather than the ones I like the best. <laughs> That's a good plan. I like it. So what, like, where do you get your inspiration from? We're, we're, and by that I'm not necessarily talking about the work where you're doing, you know, illustration for text and stuff because I imagine that a lot of that would be um, sort of directed by somebody else. But, you know, for example, if you're making a mural, like where, how do you, what gives you inspiration? What makes you want to keep going on a piece? Um, to quote um, The Little Prince, uh, I think inspiration always strikes when, when uh, wait, what's the quote? When conditions are favourable. <laughs> um, so there's a thing where you can walk through a gallery and nothing speaks to you one week and then next week when something has slightly changed, Something stands out to you and you're fascinated by it. Mm. So for, for me, it very much works like that. So, for example, with a mural I've just done, I did um, a drawing a while ago and I was like, oh, I should, I want to try out doing sort of designs that are more like a grid-based design. So if you imagine sort of instead of drawing a still life, which, which would be like a cup standing in front of a vase, standing in front of um, a a glass and a candle mm-hmm. to kind of draw them as a layout. So I, t- I tried that out and I, I thought, you know, yeah, it was a nice artwork, whatever. It wasn't, it wasn't a big piece of mine, but somebody said, Oh, it looks a little bit like the tiles you get in tenement buildings in Glasgow. So Glasgow's got old, um, tenement buildings are Glasgow sort of old, um, they're kind of like the, working class homes mm-hmm. back in the day yeah um, quite often they have these beautiful tiles in the corridors that are sort of of, of swirling plants plant patterns they're often dark green um and so when it came to doing this mural which has flowers in it 
Um, I was thinking, oh, you know what? I could actually be inspired by these tiles. I've done this artwork that, you know, I like. Yeah. And it looks a little bit like a tile. So I could actually just join them together and then sort of try and see what I come up with. So it wasn't necessarily, you know, I didn't know before that tiles were going to be inspiring me, but it's just sort of yeah. happened. Yeah. And, and I think, I think yeah, it's, it's always when, when things are right, things will speak to you. Yeah. Um, that makes sense. Yeah, it does. No, it does. It, it does. It makes perfect sense. Actually, it's um, it's one of those weird ways that art works. Like you know, because it's such a, it's such a personal thing. Even when you're working, you know, when you're doing a commission piece for somebody else, it's still you that's doing it. And even if you're making a mural for six weeks out in public, like it's still you doing it so it's such an emotional personal thing art like it's it's a weird thing in many ways you know like it's you put so much of yourself into the art and onto the surface or the canvas or the whatever um so yeah no that what you said makes sense it actually makes perfect sense I love the little prints. It's so quotable. <laughs> <laughs> it's great to have something to like that, isn't it? And it's like, oh, yeah, I'll take that quote and that quote. <laughs> oh, no, it's, it's genius. Anyone, I recommend it. It's it's a beautiful book. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so do you have kind of like, because, you know, you mentioned about um, climate justice and, and those sorts of things, that climate, you know, climate change and all that, like, are they, would you say that's kind of themes that you return to, you know, like looking at the world and, and how, how it's changing and how we can, we can change it ourselves from, you know, from, from just small movements and things that we do ourselves? Like, is it, you know, is that a sort of recurring theme, the, the climate and, and, and maybe even activism, I guess, in, in a kind of weird way? through your art like is that something you find like would you say that there is a theme I guess it's kind of what I'm getting to a long way around that um yes I think it's it's I've always felt very connected to nature I grew up in the countryside um and I can see things changing which is in many ways very scary Mm. um I also think nature is is very beautiful and a wonderful thing to draw. Yeah. Um, and I think it's also something that, you know, through through artwork we can bring closer to people who perhaps also don't live in the countryside, who don't maybe have that access even with gardens and 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 things. So I I I do really, I really do love drawing nature and also, um, you know, sometimes, so I I did a mural for uh, during COP26 that was animals in the local area that were in danger of being, becoming extinct if things keep going the way they're doing. Um, But, you know, it's kind of a technically a lovely scene of animals in nature, but, you know, the reality of it is that these animals could go. Um, And, it 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 became a kind of starting point for conversation. I keep <laughs> I keep coming back to that. Mm. It's it's sort of through showing how good we have it just now, we can say like, you know, these things can change. I think sometimes I find it quite difficult to look at very, very, very negative imagery, even though there's definitely a place and it's really important. Mm. But I think there's something really um 
positive that can be done through um, having a conversation at a, in a place with the public that is very comfortable and very, um, you know, not, not hugely um, critical because I think sometimes it, it, it can be very difficult to be like, oh, well, you know, uh, you, you're personally killing whales. Yeah. Um, using you know it's i mean it needs to be said as well like that we need to yeah. use less plastic but as well it's a lot of the time it's actually the corporations that are the worst yeah of course um, it's an interesting shift of blame i think sometimes with them being like oh you should recycle it's like or maybe you shouldn't be using plastic bottles maybe we should be using reusable bottles yep but it's just sort of shift of blame onto the consumer uh, i mean obviously we should all be more responsible yeah, of course. And yeah. climate. But I think corporations have kind of got us thinking in this sort of interesting way where we're like, oh, you know, I should I should be recycling. Why shouldn't be buying the plastic bottles in the shops? When actually it's like, why why do we still have plastic bottles in the shops if this if yeah. they are the problem? That's right. Um, yeah, that's that's exactly right. That's that is, I think uh it almost kind of feels like they've gone <laughs> and you like to hope that we don't live in a world where they've purposefully done this, but they've gone, well, we're just going to keep doing things how we are going to do it and we'll make the consumers change their habits. Well, you know, if you don't give us other options, there's only so much recycling we can all do. You've kind of got to come to the party as well, you know, like, yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. It's not even that long ago. I feel like, you know, like, you know, when, when, when my parents were growing up, they used to buy, go to the grocery shop and buy things wrapped in newspaper. Yes. You know, the souls packaging thing is actually really recent and I don't really understand why it would be so difficult to move away from it again because I mean it's I mean it must be saving corporations huge amounts of money um but it just seems like this has not always been the way things were done so why are we not just shifting back yeah yeah it's a big it's a big one so I suppose the other thing that I'm kind of interested in is, you know, we we are we do have a little a little uh, episode. You're in our mini episode talking about your favourite three art supplies, but but I know listeners will be thinking, all right, murals. Murals are big. What supplies do you use for your material? Sorry, for your murals. And then what do you use for your illustration? Because you know, I'm going to guess that you're not using the same thing in the two. What, like, what, let's talk murals first. Let's break it. Let's break it up a smidge. What are you using when you're creating your murals? What sort of art supplies are we talking about? Okay, so um, I guess the first thing is the paint. So mm-hmm. yeah, it is big thing. Paint. Um, you've got your your. I I usually always use um, smooth paint, smooth masonry paint. Smooth means it's not um, um, oil based. Mm-hmm. It's, it's water-based. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually struggle with oil-based paint. It makes me shaky. Um, so I try to avoid it whenever possible. Yeah. yeah, I did this thing as a kid where I painted a shed and covered myself entirely in oil paint and then had to use white spirit to get it off. And since then, it's not. No. <laughs> anyway, so... <laughs> that was a tangent. But, like, I, I think I might have, um, yeah, I don't think I would have become an oil artist. Uh, no, <laughs> no, please don't. Don't, don't, don't touch oil paint. Okay, Lise, please note. 
You can actually get water-based opium. Yes, you can. Yes, I have heard that. But yeah, yeah. Genius. Yes. Um, (laughs) Anyway, sorry, that was a tangent. That's okay. Um, So um, there's different places to buy masonry paint. I used used to always use Dulux, but Dulux, at least in the UK, stopped doing vivid colors in masonry, which is a huge pain because as far as I can tell, it's to do with the drying times, which I do not care about. Yeah. so there's a there's a place called Vas, Vaspa that I'm trying out now, uh, Valsa Vaspa, um, which you can which apparently does well they do all the colors which I'm very mm-hmm. excited about, um, <laughs> all the colors um, and there's spray paint as well but I like my clean lines so paint is kind of what I go for mm-hmm. because spray paint obviously always sort of has that sort of um, yeah the smooth edges. Um, then there is the ladder. Um, I have a ladder, which is a wonderful thing, but very heavy, mm-hmm. which is why I got myself a big Dewalt, um, wheel box, tool mm-hmm. box, a toolbox with wheels. Yep. Wheel toolbox. Yep. <laughs> a wheel toolbox. Yeah. <laughs> it's a great thing. It's slightly too big for my, for my taste. Um, but it's so I've, I've, I can shove the lad on top of that. I've got a big dust sheet that I can put down mm-hmm. while I'm painting because I don't want splatters on the on the ground where I'm working. Yeah, um, it just doesn't look good after. Um, I have rollers. One of the best thing I had no idea they existed was masonry rollers. They're really really fluffy, so they, they get into the little holes. Mm-hmm. It's, it's the little things, you know. It's the little it things. Is. Yeah, it always is. <laughs> um, so I've got a, a, a three inch and a nine inch roller that I usually have on site, different size brushes. Um, with brushes, you kind of always have to try out. I think I really don't like it when fluffers aren't the, the, when brushes aren't fluffy, uh, springy enough. Mm-hmm. So I feel I always feel like I need to have a certain resistance in the brush for me to really sort of feel in control. So I I, I like them quite. Um, Spring is so the one I'm using at the moment is again from um, my local hardware stores from Hamilton, but I don't know globally if Hamilton okay. ships into Hamilton. No, but, that's fine. <laughs> um, um, and uh, what else? I actually wrote down a list of things that I use. Um, oh, uh, Spirit Level is a great one because yep. your, your, your wall isn't always exactly straight. Mm-hmm. So the spirit level means that you can, you know, make sure that your design goes on straight. Yeah. I usually start from the top if I'm spirit leveling because uh, the roof will be straight, whereas the bottom, you know, like there might be a slant to the to the ground. So yep. that's a good idea to start, you know, your your grid up top and then move down. Then uh, the wonderful tool that is the chalk liner, <laughs> which I talked about in the, in the mini podcast section, uh, which is a tool to draw grids on the wall very easily mm-hmm. because it, it's a, it's a, it's a container with chalk and it just, you can listen to the mini podcast. I talk about how much I love it. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, um, yeah. I was like, Oh, not, not another tangent. Sorry. Um, um, and then also very important is that I have my design like a, like a map, like a blueprint, printed out with a grid that I can transfer onto the wall. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a lot of tools involved, which yeah. some of which I'm sure I have not even mentioned. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
of masking tape. Always good to have. Oh yeah. So but, um, I am curious to know. Back to the paint. Are those mm-hmm. colors like are they are they colors that are pre mixed, pre made, or are you having to go to a paint supply store or a hardware store and say I want this colour, that colour, that colour. Like, you know, like I'm thinking because my brain has gone to house painting. You know, you go and you want to paint your house whatever colour. You go and you say these are the colours and they can colour match it these days and they can do all that sort of stuff. Or are you just going to the store and there's already 20 colours and you pick from those? Oh, I always I always ask them to mix the colours I want. Um, just Excellent. Because it's, it's, it's just it's perfect you know it's yeah very little effort for me <laughs> I just go in and I'm like see this color can I have it please <laughs> and then I leave. Uh, I actually went on a color run uh yesterday and I so for some reason thought it would be fine to do this on my bike and then I had 10 <laughs> kilos on my bike oh, no. and I was like I'm a I'm so stupid. I'm so stupid. So, I, yeah, no, I was, I was pavement cycling slash walking back because I was like, this is just dangerous. <laughs> um, oh, no. Yeah, it's uh, ugh, pain, pain. Oh, it's so heavy. <laughs> um, um, yeah, so I'm going to, uh, yeah. I basically, I really need a driver's license. This is probably the, the most silly thing is I don't have a driver's license yet. I'm 27. Wait, am I 28? No, I'm 27. Um, and I live in a city. COVID just happened, so I yeah. couldn't really do it for a while. And now I'm like, yeah, I should really have it by now, but I've not really had the time to do it. Well, if you're going to be buying <laughs> paint and putting it on the bike like that, yeah, no, I think it's time for a driver's license. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's that's my next plan of attack is excellent. Yeah, twenty twenty two goals. <laughs> yes, you still got half a year, <laughs> a bit more. Yeah. I know. I've been saying all year I need a driver's license, and I haven't done it yet. <laughs> <laughs> so then, if we look at your illustration, what sort of materials are you using to do your illustration work? So my illustration work at that professional is mostly done on the iPad. Mm-hmm. Uh, on Procreate, I start off all of my artwork in um, with with a pencil and a sketchbook. I like my sketch sketchbooks really cheap and cheerful. Yep. Um, because I will just use pencil in it, and it will look. Yeah. You know, I, I need it to be a certain amount, certain level of throwaway because I don't want it to look nice. Because I want it, I want to feel very free about exploring ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, so I start things off in in in, in my sketchbook. And then take it into Procreate, um, which is a wonderful tool, particularly yeah. if you yeah. want to play with ideas, move things around. Um, it kind of sometimes gives you a bit too much control, I think. It's really important to kind of um, not to, 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 to start off somewhere else, I think, yeah. because... You you can't you can't have creative ideas if you have a backward button after every line that you don't like. Mm-hmm. Um, I just don't I don't think it's I, I can see in my artworks when I didn't start off in pencil and I don't like it. Yeah, I mean it's I, I'm more or less you know I, I try to be happy with the things I finish. I try to, but you know when it's I can just see that it's just there's a certain rigidness that you get with too much control. Yes, that yeah. I don't like. Yeah. Um, 
And so then I, I usually do a few rounds of sketches, even within the iPad. I will, you know, get the sketch, turn it into a digital sketch. And then once the digital, I'm happy with the digital sketch, I will turn that into the final artwork. I, I kind of always, I think, always need a certain amount of rounds of sketches, particularly when I'm designing something that isn't a real thing. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, I will do weird twists and turns with flower stems or... Um, design a dinner table with people who are not actually there, yeah. um, and it takes it takes it takes a few rounds of sketching until that doesn't look jarring. Mm-hmm. Um, and just sort of you know you need to, you need to, I need to kind of pull it into reality. That's how I yeah yeah um, and yeah and then I create the final outcome, uh, send it off. And then if I'm doing a mural, then I don't, it's only just about to get started. Yeah. Uh, but I, I use um, I use these this the pencil lot on on Procreate, mm-hmm. and um, there's a dry ink brush that I use a lot. Um, yeah, I've not actually. I think a lot of a lot of the a lot of the brushes that they have just look like digital brushes to yeah. me and if yes. I'm using a digital tool I'd rather actually be painting in real life mm-hmm. um, but yeah no it's I it's I guess it's again it's a bit like the, the dancing thing where I'm very comfortable doing things the way I do them yeah right now and yeah of course I'm doing differently but you know I just um yeah I've developed my 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 way around procreate yeah and that's, it's a learning curve. Probably better ways to do things as well. <laughs> but um, I think it's, it's one more. of those things where, certainly from what I have done exploring Procreate and in my use of it, but also talking to other people who use it, there can quite often be 10, 20 different ways to achieve a very similar result. It's one of those things because you've got so many choices and so many options, you can all come to it to the maybe that final result from a different way. And that's a good thing, I think, because, I mean, it can kind of be a little overwhelming with the so many different options in terms of brushes and, and, and that sort of stuff and canvas mm-hmm. sizes, but everybody works differently. However you create in Procreate will be different to how I do and to how somebody else does, and it, it allows everybody to to get the result they want, I guess, depending on how intense they want to go with brush usage a lot of people are happy just with the brushes it comes with you know but there's also a million brushes you can buy and download and learn how to create yourself yeah i've not actually i've not actually bought any brushes i think um yeah it's uh, something i might dive into at some point but i've just <laughs> not really found the need there's so many on them yes there are um, a lot yeah um yeah it's, it's 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 a nice program and i also think it's What's really nice about it, right? I love Photoshop. I love the Adobe Suite in general. It's a genius program, but it's become so expensive mm-hmm. because they've brought up this, the Creative Cloud, which for them obviously must have been well. It's it's very clever because it means they get a lot of money monthly. But yeah. it it's it's just meant that you have to constantly be paying the money. Mm-hmm. to use to basically do what we do and yeah. procreate is 10 pounds and you pay it once and it a dollars a few dollars and yep. you pay it once and you've got the program yep that's it's, right um, yeah. you know it's and it's also very usable and the adobe versions of what procreate does are actually not as good 
Um, or at least not when I tried them out last time. They might made better by now. Mm. It's 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 a very well designed program, which is just very nice. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. No, it's easy. it's good. Um, look, I feel like this has been a fantastic conversation. I think we've covered so much in this chat, which is just terrific. Is there anything else before we sort of finish up? Anything else you want to talk about that we haven't talked about? Is there any? I don't know, any inspiration or any suggestions you might have for somebody or um Okay, this is this is this is a strange suggestion. People say draw every day. I don't think that's actually a good idea. Mm-hmm. I think you know, you know, to get better, I think you should draw you should continue having a good time with it. Yeah. Drawing every day is a huge task. A lot of these challenges on Instagram, I think, are actually just really not helpful and they really don't actually explore ways in which you should be learning to love it because Mm -hmm. it always encourages you to have these perfect little outcomes like draw every day but make it look good. Yeah, It just isn't the reality. Whenever I've tried it, I found it too exhausting and just given up because you only have so much energy Every, every Everybody has a certain capacity of what they can do. And if you overdo it one day, you'll eat into tomorrow's capacity to, do, to draw, to feel creative, to enjoy it. Yep. So do, do what you can, because if you enjoy it, then you'll do it anyway. Don't, don't, don't do the Instagram challenges, because I think it's just creating content for Instagram at the end yes. of the day. It is, yeah. And, that's important. Like if, if you feel like it's helping you and it's not taking too much out of you, then obviously go for it. But if you're like, I'm drawing every day and it's just, it should be, it should be enjoyable at least a little bit because mm-hmm. it's, it's not an easy industry. It really isn't. So if you're also stressing yourself out, creating content, you're not having a good time. No. <laughs> um, you know, it's, it, it all takes building up your illustration business takes time. And at least I think it's a mistake that I made as I felt like if I did more, more quickly, I could speed up the process. Mm-hmm. But the reality is that it, it's better to be reliable. If, if for you, you want to practice three days a week and that works for you and you post once a week and it builds up over three years, that's a lot of pictures that you've done. Yeah. And, and that's okay. You don't, you, you can't, you don't let Instagram rule your life like that i think it's yeah instagram i have a love-hate relationship with it Mm, a lot of people do and i think that's terrific advice and i think so many people get caught up in that i have to produce i have to you know daily do this thing and it's like no because it becomes well if it becomes a chore then you're not going to get anything out of it you're not going to get any Life is too short to be not enjoying things like, you know, learning to improve your art or whatever it is. Like it's it's just yeah, just for, especially for just the sake of Instagram. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, absolutely. And it will come at some point. I think you know what makes the industry hard. I think is is actually just the time it takes. I always thought it would be it would be that you know nobody nobody <laughs> nobody wants my work or. It's, it's, it's actually just, it takes time to build connections with people who want to work with you. And it also takes time to realize that, you, you know, if the people who want to work with you aren't the people in the cool magazines, 
yeah. but you love working with them, then it, that's that's cool. That's that's great as well. You know, you don't need to necessarily be in sort of you know the it it magazines to be you know valid. Mm-hmm. Um, it's everybody has their own journey. There's a, there's a really cheesy saying, maybe to finish off, yeah, which uh, I think is is somebody said to me, or maybe I read in a in a business thing somewhere. With, that you should always go where the love is. And with that, I mean, that when you're creating, that you should, you know, if there's clients that come back to you and come back to you and come back to you and they really like what you do, you should go in that direction and not try to force yourself in the thing that in the, in the area where you think you should be going. Or if you love what you do and you love drawing something, enjoy that. You don't need to go down the cool route just because yeah. that's, where you feel like you get validation. Um, so it's really cheesy, but, you know, I think it's, it's something that helped me in a sort of very, very cheesy way. <laughs> I think it's a, it's a perfect way to end the conversation and it is so true. It is just definitely so true. Thank you so much again for, for taking time out of your schedule, for chatting with, with me, joining the posse. Just, just so delighted to have had this conversation. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's been really, really great. And I hope, yeah, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing seeing this and listening back and listening to more of the, your, your, your pussies. It's, thank you. Um, <laughs> yeah, I listened to a few, but, yeah, I, I love listening to podcasts while I work. It's, same. Uh, yeah, same. <laughs> it's, it's a way to make, I mean, a lot of what I do sometimes is just sort of colouring large shapes. So <laughs> it's... Uh, it's, you know, having having something interesting to listen to is always great. <laughs>